0: You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Schenck of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, for of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, he calls you now.
1: Paul was saying quite clearly, don't let anyone judge you in these things. No longer apply. These things no longer apply to me in my relationship with God. These things don't apply to me. God is not enhanced by my keeping a particular diet. In other words, my relationship with God is not better because I keep a certain diet, because I eat certain foods. It doesn't make a difference because by my diet, I can't make myself any more righteous
0: before God. No one is righteous, and we can't do certain things to obtain that standing. Although, as Pastor Dave will teach us, many people will try. We may eat certain things, take communion at a certain time, fellowship a specific place, but none of these things can make us righteous. Our righteousness is found only in Christ. Do you know him? Well, let's join Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 7, with part one of our message entitled, Don't Be a Uticus." Acts 20? reading verses 7 through 12. Now on the first day of the week,
1: when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul co- continued speaking. He fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while until daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. So a father and his young son were leaving church one day, and they were shaking hands with the pastor. And the pastor looked and said, well, young man, how did you like the service today? And the little boy said, well, I liked it fine, Reverend. I really, really enjoyed it. And my dad, he really liked it too. In fact, he said if it wasn't for your sermons, he'd never get any sleep. I remember. Now, I'm sure there has been a time in your life where you have struggled with falling asleep at an inappropriate time. I'm sure there has been, if not, maybe there will be, maybe today. It, whether it's in church or somewhere else, let me tell you of a time. I was a freshman in college, and I had to take a power mechanics small engines class. It was spring semester in Texas, my first year there. And the only time I could take this class was at 3 o'clock to 4.30 in the afternoon, Right? Springtime in Texas, the sun is shining, the flowers are in bloom, and it's getting hot. There is no air conditioning in the building in which we're meeting in. It's a great big laboratory, no air conditioning. And the smell of gasoline reeked in the place. To top it off, the instructor talked in a very low, monotone voice, never moving his mouth, never going up and down, but talked like this all the time. And he liked to turn the, sli- turn the lights out and show slides. Yeah put together everything that happened here. The spring weather, the warm temps, the late hour, the smell of gasoline, darkness of the room, the full belly. It was after lunch. It was a setup for sleep. Invariably, I fell asleep more times than not. It was very, very, although I fought the good fight, I fell asleep. And like the guy this morning that we just talked about, I got some of my best sleep during his class. I did pass by the skin of my teeth, but I did pass. Now, Please don't think I'm complaining about people sleeping in church. I am not. I understand understand that some people can't help it. I mean, people work hard. People work hard, and they put in full weeks, and they they get here sometimes, and they get cozy, and the next thing you know, they're gone. But, but But I'm convinced, I am convinced that some people fall asleep in church because of a physical ailment. Yeah, a physical ailment. You see, I think that they are born with a snooze button attached to their bodies, That's a terrible thing. No, they have a snooze button attached to their body. And when the pastor says, turn in your Bibles, but the nice thing about that is, is that also with the snooze alarm, comes a, a snooze button comes an alarm system because when the pastor says, now let's stand, they're up and ready to go. It's a terrible thing and we need to pray for them. But I am not complaining about people sleeping in church. Please, I am not. On the other hand, The Bible records some really strange things to happen to people when they sleep. Let me give you a few examples. Adam fell asleep, woke up married and missing a rib. Samson fell asleep, woke up bald, beaten and in chains. Jonah fell asleep, woke up smelling like fish. And then there's Udychus, our dear buddy Udychus. He fell asleep and woke up dead. In our text this morning, we see that Dr. Luke records this event. And while it seems strange and extremely humorous, I do believe God has a wonderful sense of humor. He gave us our sense of humor so that we can look at things and we could laugh. I laugh more at myself than anything. This story does contain information about the early church. And there are some practical applications for us. There, there are no wasted pages on God's Word. Everything is there for a reason, and we should look at it that way. And we should glean from everything we read something that we can take to our lives, whether individually or or corporately as a church. And a lot of this might pertain to us corporately because it talks about the disciples. But I found several things in today's Scriptures that I want to talk about, besides Eutychus. We'll get to him. Today's Scripture tells us a lot about which day the disciples met. It tells us what they did when they met. It gives us some facts about possibly where they met and it shows us the wonderful power of the Lord demonstrated as they met. So as we look in today's scriptures, we can can kind of glean some of these things. Plus, we'll have a good time with our buddy Eutychus. The Apostle Paul now is gone from Ephesus. He's finally gone from Ephesus and he's gone over to Macedonia. He's traveling with seven companions from the Gentile churches. You can find that in Acts 20 verses 4 and 5. But Luke is also there himself. We saw that last week by the change in the pronouns. So after sailing from Philippi, this whole gang, they arrive in Troas after five days. You can find that in Acts 20, verse 6. Remember, it was in Troas, back in chapter 16, that Paul got the call from the man from Macedonia. Remember the vision? Come help us, the man from Macedonia. They wanted to go to Asia. They wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them. And Paul gets this vision from the man from Macedonia, which started the entire Macedonian ministry going into Philippi and Derby and all those places. So Paul now has gone full circle in this mission. So he's in Troas. And by the way, if you're trying to think of where Troas is, it's by very close to the ancient city of Troy. I know that helped you a lot. You might have to ask Surrey where it is. Paul meets the disciples before leaving to Jerusalem. He, they know that he's leaving the next day. And I'm sure that they were anxious to hear from him. They wanted to hear from the great apostle. They wanted to listen to him speak. They wanted to glean from him all the information that they could get because they knew that he was departing. I'm sure there was excitement in the room. And I'm sure the room was much more crowded than it usually is on any given day because of the apostle Paul. Let's begin as we look at verse 7. Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Paul was a great speaker and he had a lot to tell these guys. I mean guys, meaning I'm sure there were women there. He had a lot to tell these people. He was leaving them and he really wanted to inform them and give them a good basis because he knew that he wouldn't be back probably. So the first thing we see in this scripture, it tells us which day of the week they gathered. They gathered. The first day of the week, which is Sunday. Now, it probably was Sunday night, simply because Sunday was not a day off for them. They probably worked all day on Sunday. It was a regular work day, and they worked all day. So it probably was Sunday night. Do you know that there's still a debate going on today as to which day the Christians met? Many, many denominations, not many denominations, but there are some denominations that are very dogmatic about the fact that you have to meet on Saturday. And that doesn't fit with a lot of the scriptures that we see, but they're very dogmatic about that. Here we see they are meeting on the first day of the week. People come in and they tell you and they'll argue, well, if you meet on Sunday, it means you're worshiping the sun god. Well, if you meet on Saturday, does that mean you're worshiping Saturn? It doesn't fit. Others say it wasn't until Constantine in AD 313 that the Christians met on Sunday. But they forget that history tells us that a 100 years before Constantine, Tertullian, a great Early church father said and argued that Sunday, the first day of the week, was the only day that they were to celebrate communion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So these people are meeting on Sunday. They're meeting the first day of the week. But any controversy about this, about which is the proper day to worship, Paul settled. And he settled it in two places. The first place he settled it was Romans 14, verses 1 to 6. You might want to turn there for a second. Romans 14, verses 1 through 6. Actually, we could read down through 13. We probably should. Romans 14 says, beginning of verse 1, receive one who is weak in his faith, but do not dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who eats who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him not, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not Him who does not eat, judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe it that day to the Lord does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and gives God thanks. If none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's, For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account to himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause a fall in our brother's way. He puts to bed this thing. He says, hey, whatever you do, you do is under the Lord. And I'm not to hold accountable. I'm, if I'm not doing what you're doing, I'm doing that under the Lord. I can't put upon you that you have to eat this, you have to eat that. I can't put upon you that this is the day that worship or that's the day to worship. Some people in that time were worshiping on different days. Do it unto the Lord. We don't want to stumble anyone. We don't want to make a a stumbling block out of these things. But people get dogmatic about this, and they, they get rigid about this. Well, you know that this whole thing came about because of the Judaizers in the early church. This whole thing came about because of the Judaizers. You remember them. They came to Antioch, and they said that you had to keep the law of Moses, and you had to be circumcised to be saved. So go to Colossians now. Remember, General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 8 through 15 in chapter 2. Verses 8 through 15 in chapter 2. Look what Paul says about these things, and he equates them to the coming of Christ because he says they're nothing but foreshadows. Beginning in verse 8. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. "...according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power." In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses, and on the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him." having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. The substance is of Christ. All these things he's talking about were under the law. They, they, you know, they couldn't eat certain things. You know the law, the Levitical law. They couldn't eat certain kinds of meats. They had to prepare special way. They, they had to have certain holy days that they observed. They had Sabbaths. They had new moons. They had regular Sabbaths. Paul was saying quite clearly, don't let anyone judge you in these things. No longer apply. These things no longer apply to me in my relationship with God. These things don't apply to me. God is not enhanced by my keeping a particular diet. In other words, my relationship with God is not better because I keep a certain diet, because I eat certain foods. It doesn't make a difference. Because by my diet, I can't make myself any more righteous before God. It's Eutychus calling. He says, Oh, you, people say to me, people say, Oh, you eat pork. Oh, shame on you. I would never eat pork. Well, good for you. Don't eat pork. Wonderful. Don't eat pork. And if you're coming to my house, I won't serve pork because I don't want to stumble you. That's fine. But don't hold me responsible for it. Don't be dogmatic and say, oh, well, you're not a Christian because you're eating pork. Well, what do you want me to do with this hot dog? Thank you. That's my girl. Monica, yes. No, no, you won't. As though those kind of things make you more righteous. As those, those kind of things make you more righteous than other people. So what happens is those people that do those things, all of a sudden they Look down their nose at those who don't, and they think they're more righteous. They have a, a self-righteousness. So today, even today, we have people who judge us in meat and drink and in respect to holy days and Sabbath days. Paul says the substance is Christ. These were but foreshadows. The substance is Christ, and that is where our focus needs to be, on Christ. That is the focus of what we do. So we know now that the first day of the week was when the disciples met. We looked at it in verse 7. But it also tells us in verse 7... Several things that the disciples did. It said, when the disciples came together to break bread. The disciples probably would gather together at the first day of the week and they would have a meal together. You know, it was a potluck. They had a meal together and they ate a lot together. And then after the meal, they would always partake of communion. They would celebrate the Lord's Supper. The breaking of bread was the common practice among the early believers. In fact, it was one of the most common rituals That was practiced in the early church. We studied Acts 2.42, which is the basis that, this is one of the visions of this fellowship, Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And we said that the breaking of bread was twofold. Number one, it was eating together a normal meal. And number two, it was partaking of the Lord's Supper. It was partaking of communion. That's what they did. In Acts 2, 46 and 47, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They would go from house to house and they would would eat and then they would have the Lord's supper after they ate. Paul wrote and told the Corinthians how to partake of the Lord's Supper, what he received from the Lord himself, but he never told them when or how often to do it. They chose to do it every time they ate. We just celebrated communion last week as we do the first Sunday of every month. We choose that. I know churches that celebrate it on the first Wednesday of every month at their midweek studies. Some churches celebrate it every Sunday they meet. Again, we're not told when to do it we're not even told how often we're just told to do it we're told to celebrate it and we do as often as we can he said as often as you do this jesus said remember me as often as you do this so we know that they broke bread so they broke bread together and secondly they heard a message well this is this is very very similar to acts 242 they heard the apostles doctrine they heard a message they heard the word of god it said paul ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Paul's main message was the word of God, which was always declared at these meetings. They always declared the word of God at these meetings. The word of God, as I said, was the apostles' doctrine. These. Sessions probably included a reading of the Old Testament. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Remember, the only Bible they had at this time was the Old Testament. So I'm sure they read Old Testament Scripture. I'm sure they read that. They might have even talked about it. We also know from Colossians 4.16 that they would read letters from the other apostles and they would pass them around from church to church and they would read these letters. In Colossians 4.16, Paul writes, Now when this epistle, the one he was writing to the Colossians, is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So they would trade these letters back and forth that were written by the various apostles and they would read them at these meetings. So we see that this is what they were doing. So they met together on the first day of the week, they ate together, they shared communion together, and they listened to a message based on the Word of God, the Old Testament. Warren Rearsby writes this, the Word of God is is important to the people of God, and the preaching and teaching of the Word must be emphasized. Church meets for edification as well as celebration, and edification comes from the Word of God. That's why we base what we do on the Word of God. It's our, it's, our, it, it, it's our life book. It, 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 it's a gift that has been given to us by God that has been kept precious all these years, and we can glean from it the way we're to live our Christian life and how we can get closer to God. That's why we place such great emphasis on the Word of God here at Calvary Chapel. That's why we go line by line, verse upon verse, because coming up, Paul's going to tell the Ephesian elders, I have not failed to, sh- to declare to you the entire counsel of God. That's going through the entire book. Line by line, verse upon verse, the entire counsel of God. Now, I can't stand before you as your pastor and said, I've declared to you the entire counsel of God, because I haven't. We haven't been through the entire counsel of God. But well, we will. Lord tarries. So the Scripture tells us where they met, or that they met on Sunday. The Scripture tells us where, what they did when they met. And it also tells us something about where they met. It tells us something. Look at verse 8. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered. Now, usually the disciples met in a secluded place be, where nobody could find them because they were afraid of persecution. This was a usual thing that they did, but that they met in someone's home. It says they went, it said in, the, in, in Acts 2 46 and 47, it said they went house to house. These were home fellowships. They went house to house and had their home fellowships. This was the first time home fellowships were, were starting. They met in someone's house. In fact, Many scholars believe that the house that they're meeting in here was the house of Carpus, C-A-R-P-U-S. Because when Paul was writing to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 4.13, Paul tells Timothy that on your way to Troas, tells Timothy to stop in Troas and pick up his old robe that he forgot at Carpus's house. So because of that statement, many believe that this meeting here took place at Carpus's house. It doesn't say for sure. We don't know where it means, so we, but I'm just saying that's what we look at. It doesn't say for sure. But we do know that there were many lamps lit in the house, and this is strange because they obviously weren't too afraid of being persecuted. Now, there were two problems. Number one, they tried to keep it dark for persecution, but when they kept it dark, the people would go around telling everybody of the sexual promiscuity that was going on in the things because it was all dark in there. There were many people gathered in there and they started talking that they were sexually immoral. They also said the darkness because they were cannibals. Well, they feasted on the blood and the flesh of Jesus Christ, so they were cannibals.
0: Pastor Dave will continue teaching through the book of Acts the next time you join us. You know, programs like Cape Watch Radio can be a huge blessing that God uses in the lives of countless people. But we must always be careful about just hearing God's Word. Remember what James said? be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. As you join us each day here on Cape Watch Radio, it's our hope and prayer that you would not only hear God's word, but that you would do God's word, that you would take the lessons that you're learning here on Cape Watch Radio and apply them to your everyday life. And we want to help you to continue to apply God's Word to your life. We have resources to help you in this journey. Log on to www.capewatchradio.com and there you'll find helpful tools that you can use as you study God's Word. Again, our web address is www.capewatchradio.com Or you can always give us a call. Our phone number here at Cape Watch Radio is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. And don't forget to place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Dave continues teaching through the Word of God. That's all the time we have for today. May God bless you as you continue to listen to Cape Watch Radio.